And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, uh, July 25th, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. Father Greg Gwynn is here. Hello, Dad. Uh, hey, Jacob. How you doing? We're, we're having a little audio trouble because we had our uh, all of our equipment sort of disassembled, and we carried it to our community Bible study Monday and Tuesday this week, and we're trying to get it all back. And I see what it up. was. I figured it was one switch or that was out of position there. So all we're right. all set So now. we're back in business. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're glad that you're here on the program tonight. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, thanks. Your part of the controls are working better than mine, I hope, tonight. Yeah. Um, sorry for any headphone users out there. That, uh, oh, that was brutal. Yeah, you pop an eardrum right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you. And uh, you mentioned the community Bible study. Uh, listeners who didn't check that out need to make sure they get out there and, and listen to that. We thought we had a really good event on Monday and Tuesday night of this week. Uh, our theme for study was... God, family, country. Wilson Adams from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, taught the lessons, and we think he did a really good job. Uh, we had a, a really, especially on Tuesday night, we just had a very uh, encouraging response from the members of our community, lots of visitors, and uh, everybody was very upbeat and positive about the event. And so we, we just feel like it went real well. If you will go, if you were, were not able to attend and you'd like to hear those lessons, Go to our website at collegeview.com. We've got two separate websites that you, you can get to one from the other, but, but if you go to collegeview.com, remember collegeview is spelled funny, C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, college, go to collegeview.com and, and scroll down just a little bit. You'll see where it mentions that our community Bible study has concluded. Go to, go, click here to go to our YouTube channel. And you can see those videos on our YouTube channel. Yeah, Kyle, you got them all set up there. They're ready to roll. Yeah, they're trimmed down to, um... Uh, all the important stuff that's right there. It's you can see it in its entirety. It's right there waiting for you. All right. Uh, we we think it's really good. And uh, uh, I saw that Wilson Adams had had made note of it on his uh, Facebook page, and several people were commenting and said that that may be a theme that needs to go nationwide. God, family, country, and it, it, of course it is important truth. It's important truth for. Uh, uh, for our families, for the, our country, uh, and that's of course why we chose the theme, and we think it is a very important. All right, yes. And so, if you haven't if you haven't listened to check it out, please at our website collegeview.com. We're glad you're listening tonight, and uh, if you'd like to let other people know about the study, we would encourage you to send us an email with your snail mail address, so we could send you a free bumper sticker. We'd like to borrow a little bit of space on maybe the back window of your car, yeah. uh, where it won't damage the paint. And it won't be in the way. You can still see out the back of your car, obviously, but uh, you can help spread the word. I see Dwight is in the chat room in Iowa, and Dwight sent me a message this week, and he wanted a couple of those oval-sized uh, yeah. stickers. We, we're out of those. I need to try to see if I can get some more of those. He wanted to put one. You can't really put a bumper sticker on a motorcycle. Oh, he wanted a motorcycle He wanted sticker. so he could put it on his motorcycle, and so we're going to have to do something there. We're going to have to try to accommodate that and uh, try to get some oh, more stickers. We need a motorcycle-friendly sticker. Yeah. That would be a fender sticker maybe yeah. on a motorcycle. All right. Well, good. Uh, so if you want uh, one of those, please uh, send us an email and uh, help us get the word out about the virtual Bible study, because it's better. The program is better when you're not listening to us all the time. That's just, it's proven fact. It's scientifically proven. Um, we've done a lot of case studies on it, and the program is better when you don't have to listen to us for an hour. You can listen to other listeners' comments, and so uh, help us get the word out. That's right. Okay. So to our update list, earlier today we sent out these questions. Remember, get on our update list if you're not. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, add me to the list. And you would have got this update asking these questions. 
list some of the things that repentance is not. Things that repentance is not. What is not? For example, repentance is not just admitting that you are a sinner. Right. Okay. So, so give it, there's one. There's, there's no one. revelation there. Yeah. But give us some other ideas of what, yeah. what does not constitute true biblical repentance. Okay. Number two, define what true repentance really is and give Bible examples of true repentance. Number three, when true repentance has taken place, what will be some of the evident signs of true repentance? Okay. So those were the questions we asked. We might start out, Jacob, just by stressing. I, I just got a list of verses here from the New Testament, from from the Gospels, and from uh, Acts that just say how important repentance is. Just let me read them right right off. Uh, Jesus said, in Matthew three verse two, "Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Mark one verse fifteen, "The time is fulfilled; the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel." Matthew 4, verse 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 6, verse 12, they went out and preached that men should repent. Acts 2, 37 and 38, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts three nineteen. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 17, verse 30, and the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Well, you read that list of inspired statements and you come to the conclusion repentance is really something this is very big, important. This is a big deal. Very important. And, and I think we could say forgiveness, our forgiveness and ultimate salvation is, is, is very contingent upon repentance. So in order to first come to Christ and become a child of God, uh, you have to repent. Repentance is part of that initial plan for, for salvation. But then as, as Christians, when we sin, we need to repent when we've sinned and, and turn back to God. So in order to become a Christian, you must repent. In order to be remain a, a, a faithful Christian or be restored when you've fallen as a Christian, you have to repent. Repentance is key to everybody. Jesus said in Luke thirteen three, unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, there's a condition. Unless you repent, you're going to perish. You will yeah. not be saved unless you repent. Now, I'm looking at all these verses that you've got here, and I, I hear people on the radio and in print saying that all you have to do is believe that Jesus is, is the Son of God and ask him into your heart, and you're saved. Uh, you just have to believe, and, and everything's okay. Uh, that doesn't jive <laughs> that with doesn't what you've read here. If, if, if faith only salvation is literally faith only just salvation. Just believe, and it's good. Yeah. Then it would preclude repentance. But these verses clearly indicate the necessity of repentance. And so uh, that's not that, – that's – that just, I think, is just one way to prove the fallacy of the doctrine of faith-only salvation. And this repentance is an, is an active thing. It's an action on our part. Yeah. It's, and, and as we said, as we, were, as we were sending out our email and as we were announcing the theme for study tonight, we said, we think this is probably the hardest command. You know, it's not hard. You think about it. It's not hard to listen to the gospel. It's not hard to believe the things that the gospel teaches because the evidence is supplied in the word of God. It's not hard to believe that Jesus came and lived a sinless life and, and died a sacrificial death on the cross and was resurrected. Even, even, the very, even the very incredible business of resurrection is 
amply proved by the evidence. And so it's not hard to hear the truth. It's not hard to believe the truth. If you believe the truth about Jesus, it's not hard to confess that you believe. In other words, you believe it, and then you're just saying that you do believe it when you confess your faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Baptism is not a hard thing to do. People try to make such a big deal out of baptism. Baptism is not a difficult thing to do at all. Uh, I've told the story before. When I was a kid, we'd go to my uncle's farm. There was a creek that ran through the back of the farm. And on hot summer days, us kids, uh, cousins, would go back there in the creek and play in the creek. And we would baptize each other. Literally, we said we were baptizing each other, throw each other under the water. And it was actually fun. It wasn't hard. It was actually fun. So the physical act of baptism is not a difficult thing to do. What's hard is repentance. You know, as you're talking about that, it's not hard for me to even to obey uh, a lot of the commands of the Bible. It's not hard for me to love my children, love my wife. It's not, it's not hard for me not to, uh, you know, steal. It's not even hard to pay your taxes. You may not like to do it, but it's not I mean, hard. You just write the check. But it's hard for me in the areas that don't line up with what I want to do, where the areas that require repentance, then those commands are really hard to, to follow. And so yeah. this this is the really, as you mentioned, the hardest command. Itself. Yeah, repentance, I think, is the hardest command. I, that's a subjective opinion, but I, a lot of people agree to that. And I think it's, there's good reason to make that argument that repentance is the difficult thing. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeu dot com. So we ask the first question then: What are some things that repentance is not? So we're gonna, we're going to even hold back on the actual definition of of repentance, but first just talk about some of the things that do not constitute legitimate repentance. And I suggested one. Uh, the first one was was that I suggest was it's not just saying yourself, oh, yeah, well, I'm a sinner, you know, so so I, I go out here and I do something really horrible, and I say, okay, big deal, I'm a sinner, so I, I never denied I was a sinner, I'm a sinner, you know, so that's not repentance, because everybody, literally everybody can and really should make that acknowledgement, I am a and sinner. And if you don't, if, if you, even if you don't say it, I know it. Yeah, right? I mean, you don't even have to tell I, me that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I already knew that. Yeah, yeah. so that that's not repentance. Uh, but some other things, for instance, trying to cover up my sin uh, is, is not repentance. In other words, so I did this, but I'm taking certain measures by which I hope that nobody will find out that I actually did this. I'm I'm trying to cover up my sin. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's that is def- I mean that's a common thing that people do, but that is definitely not repentance. In Proverbs twenty-eight verse thirteen, it says, "He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy." Uh, so you know, uh, don't don't try to cover it up. The folly of trying to cover it up, though, is in the fact that you think that you could hide it from God. Right. Because right. you can't. Proverbs fifteen three: the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. You could hide it from every other human being. That's usually not, you're usually not real successful at doing that, but say that you were, and it's a possibility that you could be, and you could keep your sin secret from every other living being. You're never going to keep it from God. And so that that's a that's a faulty way. 
Again, Proverbs 28, 13 says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. In other words, the guy who's just trying to hide his sin, not deal with it, is not going to prosper. And that is not repentance. Um, and and as we were saying earlier, I, I, let me throw in a verse on that, that point that I made, that just admitting you're a sinner is not repentance. And I had a note here about Pharaoh in Exodus chapter 9, verse 27. Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. But he wasn't ready to let the Israelites go. Every time he made a promise to let them go, he turned around and, 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 and broke his promise, broke his pledge. Uh, So he, he, and uh, so Pharaoh is pretty good example of a bad guy who was willing to admit, okay, I'm a sinner. And then turn right around and do the same thing over again. That's not repentance. Yeah, you, you know, you've talked to people like that who, who are living life, uh, a, a sinful life, uh, life uh, totally uh, abandoning God's will. And a lot of people are willing to admit it just, you know, plain uh, face value. Yeah, I'm doing wrong. Yeah. I'm not living like I should. Yeah. That yeah. I know it. I'm not living. Like, yeah. I've, I've even heard people say, I know that if I was to die right now, I'd go straight to hell. Well, that's an admission, but it's not repentance. It doesn't fix the problem. Doesn't fix the problem. No. Doesn't, doesn't solve the problem. And I actually think that the people who say that don't really believe what the Bible says about hell. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other subject to investigate. But I tell you, anybody who says, "I'll just die and go to hell," they 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 either have not studied and learned the reality of hell, and, or they don't believe what the Bible says about hell, or they don't believe that God would judge someone and send them to hell. But no intelligent thinking person could, who is informed and knows the truth, would say, "I'll just die and go to hell." Yeah, you may have talked. I mean, I've talked to somebody who said, "You know, yeah, I'm I'm living really, really wicked life. Whatever you do, don't live like me. Yeah, don't live like me." Well, he admitted that he was a sinner. He admitted that he shouldn't be doing that, and he didn't want anybody else to do it. But he didn't repent. He saw how bad it was and what it was doing in his life, but he didn't repent. It didn't fix the problem, uh, and so repentance is not just ex- admitting that you're a sinner. In, in the chat room, Rick has said repentance is not just admitting your sin, as we were saying. He says there must be godly sorrow and a turning from sin. Exactly right, Rick. All right, we're going to get a break, and uh, I'm a little bit nervous about this. Uh, you guys hold your ear. Maybe pull your uh, headphones off your ear a little space in case Jacob pops right, we'll us again. We'll continue the discussion after this, and uh, hopefully we'll be back after this. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue after these messages. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Man's way leads to a hopeless end. God's way leads to an endless hope. People who do things that count never stop to count them. When things go wrong, never go with them. A fault once denied is twice committed. Guard your thoughts today, for they produce your actions tomorrow. No matter how bad your situation is, you can lose your temper and make it worse. 
there's no right way to do a wrong thing. There's no telling how far a kind word or look or deed will travel. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight and we talk as we talk about repentance and the fact that it is the hardest command. What are some things that repentance is not? Share your comments in the chat room tonight with Rick and I see Lou and Dwight and some other guests in there. Guest 690 or 6970 says <clears throat> repentance is not a partial turning from sin. I will give up this sinful behavior, but I'm going to keep participating in another less sinful one. Ah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I think that's really good. I mean, uh, I'm I'm willing to give up some things, but I'm not willing to give up everything. And or I'll uh, compromise. You know, uh, that one okay. I think is really black yeah. and dark. But yeah. the, and this one's not so bad. So I'll just yeah. change from that sin to this sin. Uh, or you know, I've been smoking cigarettes, and they say I shouldn't. So I'm going to start vaping instead. You know, so trading one sin for another that you deem to be less serious. Yeah. I think that's the idea that 6970 has. And I think that's exactly right. All right. I had another. I, I still got some more things on my list too. send in your ideas. I, Rick and guest 6970 have had some good suggestions. We've got some emails here, too. We'll read in just a minute. Oh, we, but, got some, we got some good ones on the email. Uh, uh, but clearly just being sorry for your sin is not repentance. Now, Rick already mentioned godly sorrow, which we'll comment about here when we get to really trying to define true repentance. Godly sorrow is different from just sorrow. And just being sorry for your sin doesn't get the job done. Um, I got a, a couple of Bible examples here. Remember when Herod had married his brother's wife. Her name was Herodotus. Yeah. Or, uh, Herodias? Or Herodias, Herodias. Yeah. Uh, and uh, John the Baptist called him on it. And so John the Baptist got thrown in prison for, for calling the king out on who he had married, married his own sister, sister-in-law, married his own sister-in-law. Yeah. So uh, there were, uh, after John had been thrown in prison, he was languishing in prison. It says the daughter of the said Herodias, this is Mark 6, beginning verse 22, the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced, and pleased Herod uh, and them that sat with him. And the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. Uh, and she said, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry. Yet for his oath's sake and for the sakes of uh, for their sakes that sat with him, he would not reject her. No, he was really sorry to have to kill John the Baptist. But... You know, I'm not. I, I'm kind of a proud guy, and I don't want to. I don't want to be shamed in front of these men who heard me make the promise to her, um, and so I'm going to do it. Although I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. Sorry about that, John the Baptist. As I take your head off. Yeah. Well, there's a guy who was sorry for what he did, but it didn't. It didn't change anything. Yeah. And then a classic example is Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 3, it says, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, Jesus, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver uh, to the chief priests and elders. Now, that's the King James rendering, and that is a bad translation in the King James. Because if Judas had repented himself, truly repented, he would have done something different. 
Other newer translations have it better. And and this is one place that if you use the King James all the time, as I do, uh, well, I mean, that's your principal study Bible. I, I obviously refer to lots of other translations, too, and I think most people do. But, but a lot of us still favor the old King James, what we grew up on. It would be worth noting in the margin there, that's one of the places where the King James is a pretty bad translation. The New American Standard Version says, and and then Judas who had betrayed him saw that he had been condemned. He felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders. And of course the story goes on to say that he went out and hanged himself, but that's what Judas did was he felt sorry. Yeah. Uh, the new American said he felt remorse, but he didn't repent. And so the King James is a bad translation there when it says he repented. It, it is not repentance just to feel you're sorry. I've made the point plenty of times, you know, that the prisons are absolutely full of people who are sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, I would guess that the overwhelming majority, probably, you know, almost everybody who's in, in jail is sorry. Sorry they got caught. Sorry for the consequences they're suffering. Maybe even sorry they ever did it in the first place. Yeah. But I just put a uh, this week's bulletin is going to have a statistic in it about recurrence rates of the of released criminals. After nine years, over eighty percent of those criminals who get released are back in prison again. Mm. Mm. So they're sorry. They're sorry they got caught. They're sorry they have to be in jail. They're sorry they're separated maybe from their friends and family. But they're not sorry to change their ways, and they go right back to doing the same thing over again. All right. So being just being sorry is not repentance. Okay. Um, it's also not repentance to just promise you'll do better. I don't know how many times you've probably had examples like that in your life, Jacob, as I have, of of people who, in the in the midst of the miserable consequence of their sin, they say, "Oh, I'll never do that again. I'm going to do better." I remember when I was in college, there was this one kid who almost every weekend he would go out and get drunk. And he was one who got very sad when he got drunk. And he would look me up almost every weekend. He would look me up drunk. and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll never do this again. And then he'd go right and do it again. Uh, I, I've had an example of, of maybe a, I, I knew of a wife who left her husband and took up with another man. And he beat her. He was horribly abusive to her. In the middle of the night one night, I had to go and rescue her from him. He from was, the man she was running around with? From the man that she took up with. He would beat her. And and in the middle of the night, she called in desperation. I had to go to rescue her as he was beating her. And on the, as I was carrying her to her parents' house, she promised me, I'll never go back to him. I'll never do that again. Less than two weeks later, she was back with that guy again. No, that's a southern idiom. Lou in Minnesota might think you were actually carrying her on your back. Oh. No, you were, you were, drive, you were tr- transporting in the car, her. Carrying her in yeah. the car, yeah. But she uh, said, I'll never do that again. Never do and that she again. And she went back to him. Yeah. Uh, so, mm. you know, that's not repentance. Just saying, I'm going to, uh, especially when you're in the, in the dark throes of evil consequence because you made bad decisions and committed sin. And then you say, I'm going to do better. I'll never do that again. And that's not repentance. And it's proved by the fact that most people who say that go right back and do it again. Okay. I put on my list just going forward during the invitation song doesn't indicate true repentance. And some of our listeners won't understand that that terminology probably. But but when when we have a worship service and when we have a Bible lesson or a sermon, 
At the end of that, we we do what we refer to. It's just our terminology. We extend the invitation. Does anybody does anybody need our help in making your life right with God? If that means you need to obey the gospel plan of salvation, hear, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, we'd be glad to assist you in your obedience. If you're a Christian who's fallen away and you need to, to come back and confess and seek seek to be right with God and ask the saints to pray with you and for you, we'd be glad to help you that way. So somebody, so here's a Christian and he's been living a miserable life. He, he he's he's a Christian, but he hasn't been faithful to the Lord at all. And so maybe because somebody has coerced him, uh, he comes forward. Maybe because his wife has been hounding him. Or maybe because other Christians have been really pleading with him, he comes forward and and makes some statement or asks for prayers. Now that's a good that's not a bad thing, but it does not necessarily mean that he has repented. Yeah. And as we'll talk later, the fruits of repentance would would be the pr- the proof of that. And one more, I got one more thing on my one list, more. and then Jacob, I will let you dive into these emails. Simple reformation is not true repentance. Uh, For instance, here's a guy who's been an alcoholic, a bad alcoholic. And he realizes, although he's not a spiritual man at all, he's not religiously inclined whatsoever, but he realizes that alcohol is ruining his life. And he goes to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous is a pretty successful operation. They can get, they can help a person get out of alcoholism. Actually, some of the principles that they set forth are spiritually based, but you could be an atheist and go to Alcoholics Anonymous and stop your drinking. And so you'd be a reformed alcoholic. But you're not a forgiven alcoholic because you haven't really repented. So what I'm saying there is just to, just to change because if I don't change, I'm going to lose my job. Uh, if I don't change, I'm going to lose my wife. If I don't change, I'm going to my kids are not going to have anything. My health to do. is going to be ruined. If I don't change, I'm going to die from this. So I'm going to change. Well, those are all those are all worthy considerations, but that's not true repentance, you know. And so, just and that's what I mean when I say just reformation is not repentance. All right, we've got some good answers here. Stephen in the, uh, his email says, "What I've seen most of the time is that people, I guess, what he's saying is people think time equals repentance." Yeah, that's a great one, Stephen. The problem is that some say, "Well, that was years ago. You should have forgotten." Protecting the individual concerning your forgiveness, uh, despite a lack of repentance on their part, but God has not forgotten their sin if they've not repented. Along with time comes the excuse of one trying to repent but has forgotten all their past deeds. So they come up with a bad apology to those who they've wronged, saying, I've forgotten this sin I committed, but please forgive me. It's a way to escape admittance of their embarrassing atrocities, which God has not forgotten. Repentance is also not going forward and crying your eyes out for your sins, though it is a step in the right direction, as even Esau could not find repentance through seeking it diligently with tears, Hebrews good, good. chapter twelve. Good observation, Stephen. I like that a lot. I, um, so, just to summarize what Stephen said, time is not repentance. In other words, that happened a long time ago. I never did anything about it. I never made it right. Uh, I, I, I never corrected it in any way whatsoever. But man, that was twenty years ago. Yeah. Nobody remembers that now. Well, God remembers. Yeah. So that's really good observation, Stephen. And then the excuse that they don't really, well, yeah, and you know what the typical expression is 
of a person who, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. Uh, no, that's not repentance either. You know, my, I, I, usually I'm not so blunt to say it, but I'm always tempted. And when someone gives up, gives off one of those, if I've done anything wrong, please forgive me. It, I, I'm very tempted to say, hey, listen, go figure it out if you've done anything wrong. And when you've decided whether you've done anything wrong or not, you can come back and talk to us then. But until you know for sure, just just go ponder on that yourself and then come talk to us after you've figured it out. Don't leave it to us to if I've done anything wrong. You, I, that That is not true confession or repentance. And I think Stephen okay. is right about that. All right. Uh, we got uh, Sean from Virginia. He's our new listener. Um, and he's uh, enjoying the podcast. He has to work during uh, this hour. But he said he listens as soon as he can. Thank you for being a podcast listener, Sean, and thank you for your emails. Sean's doing what we've, we ask our podcast listeners to do. Is, uh, take a minute to comment. Just send us an email. Hey, I got it. Also, while you're talking about it, I got an, uh, an email from Donna in Florida. It says she doesn't get to listen live, but she always listens on Friday morning. She, oh. she has corresponded with us a good yeah. bit in the past. Thanks, Donna, for that. Uh, glad that you're listening down in Florida. Uh, he, uh, he does have a topic suggestion for a future edition. He said, I've heard you say several times that we need to be able to give an answer when someone asks us a question about the Bible. I don't remember the Bible verse, but I was wondering if you could give me or even do a study on how you study the Bible so you can give an answer. I think that's a really good thing. We might even do that next week. So okay. sit tight, Sean, and we might right. use your suggestion next week, how to study the Bible. Yeah. That's, a, that's a simple subject, but a worthy one. Good. Thanks, Sean, for that. He says repentance is not just saying <laughs> you're going to stop sinning, but actually doing it. The only example I can give is maybe when Peter denied and then went out and wept bitterly. Um, so, yeah, he says you know, it's more than just words. Repentance has got to be more than words. Yeah. It's got, there's got to be action associated exactly, with it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right. Thanks a lot for that, uh, Sean. And then Kent says repentance is not just being convinced of, or convicted of sin, Acts 2, 37 through 38. Repentance is not just confessing one's sins, First John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. It is necessary that a Christian confess their sins. However, one could admit guilt of specific sins in their lives without repenting of them. Repentance is not sorrow for sin, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. Repentance is not prayer, Acts 8, 22. Note how Peter commanded Simon to repent and pray. Repentance is not reformation of one's life, Matthew 3, 7 through 8. While reformation of one's life is necessary, it is possible that one may reform their lives without repentance. Exactly right. You and Ken are on that same brave wave again. Now. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right, Ken. Okay, exactly right. Is Ken getting a hold of your notes and cheating when he? I know. I think what Kent probably suspects is that I read his emails and oh. then I make, but I don't. And I, we just often think in oh, okay. exactly the same way. All right. Thank you for that, Ken. All right, we're going to get uh, this week's bullet point, and when we get back, uh, the next question for us. Okay, the next question is. Okay, you you sort of danced around the subject now about what repentance is not. What is true repentance, and what would be some good Bible examples of what true repentance really is? They're asking in the chat room, is that Stephen, uh, Stephen from Iowa? It is. Yeah, okay. Stephen, you've been found out. Uh, send us your uh, comments in the chat room. Maybe let us know where you're listening tonight during this break, and when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. It is a common news story involving big-time sports stars. Late at night, in a questionable location, with disreputable companions, they are engaged in unseemly activities. The matter is publicized widely throughout the media, and another black eye results for professional athletes. 
It sure seems these individuals ought to think more seriously and behave more respectably. After all, their related teams have paid huge sums of money to bring them on board. They have an incredible ability to influence others. In fact, they're often referred to as role models. And any misconduct on their part reflects badly on their team and co-players. All things considered, it just doesn't make sense for them to act in such irresponsible ways. They need to think. There's a parallel to this situation that strikes much closer to home than one might imagine. It is this. A church member gets involved in a questionable activity with unwholesome companions and in a compromising situation. The matter is ultimately revealed and another black eye results for the local congregation. It sure seems that these Christians ought to think more soberly and conduct themselves more carefully because, first, they were redeemed with a purchase price of Jesus' own precious blood, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. They have a strong influence, for good or bad, on others, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, and what they do reflects on the Lord and his church, 2 Peter 2, verse 2. With all these things in mind, it doesn't make sense for a member of the Lord's body to act in sinful ways. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Roger Toombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back to the program tonight, and we'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com, and you'll want to take a minute to go there and check out our community Bible study. If you haven't listened to it already, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, collegeu.com. Check out the community Bible study. Send us an email anytime, questions at collegeu.com. Now, I've got a comment in the chat room tonight. Uh, and I know these are sort of fighting words. Typically, a podcast listener, Guest 826 says, uh, typically a podcast listener lately. But tonight, um, live, if I can stay awake. Now, come on. No, he no, goes no, on. Okay, all right. No, he goes on okay. to explain. Not due to subject or anything. Okay. Just, yeah, not due to subject, just it's late, 8 p.m. late. He okay, must have okay. an early schedule in the morning. All right. All right. Well, you got it. Uh, thank you for listening to uh, 826. And we'll do our best not to put you to sleep. Unless you want to be put to sleep, we can probably help you out with that. Yeah. Um, all right. So what what is real repentance? Uh, let's read. I want to read Kent. Read Kent's email to us. I think he does a great job. All right. Uh, Kent uh, says repentance is translated from the New Testament Greek word metanoia. Repentance is properly defined literally as another mind. Repentance is therefore a change or turning of the mind or will. It is a determination of thought to forsake sin. Repentance comes in between the one. The time one is convicted of their sin and reforms their life, such as a mental act, Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 33. Yeah, I think I might have that passage in my notes. Yeah, I got that. Hang on to that. Well, <laughs> of I'm, course I'm, you would. Yeah, I'm going to have got okay. that in my notes right. to discuss later. Uh, but uh, this is exactly right. And uh, get what Kent said, that repentance is literally another mind or a change of mind uh, and we have forever defined repentance, and I think accurately so, by saying it is a change of heart that leads to a change of life. And so it's not just that, you know, a change of heart could just mean, I'm sorry what I did. We already said that's not enough. It has to be a change of heart or a sorrow of heart, a change of thinking. I've been, this is This is wrong. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to do that. And I turn. I turn away from the sin and I turn to God. So a change of heart that leads to a change of life. All right. Um, uh, what has Stephen said about that? Uh, he says, go to Second Corinthians seven eleven to see the seven marks of true repentance. We'll do that here in a minute. Uh, but uh, I, I ask 
in our in our uh, questions, can you give some Bible examples of true repentance? And I thought a really good one uh, that teaches us a lot about this is uh, the case of Simon the Sorcerer. Uh, in, in the case of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8, you remember Simon had been, he had been bewitching the people of Samaria. He had them under his thumb, so to speak. They all just, he had them spellbound. Probably in the exercise of his sorcery may have even been using drugs to to keep people under his spell. But when Philip the evangelist came to Samaria and preached Christ and worked true miracles, Philip was convinced. And Philip himself was baptized and obeyed the gospel and, and became a Christian. Well, sometime after that, the apostles, some of the apostles came to Samaria and they had the power to lay hands. Only the apostles had this power to lay hands on individuals and impart to them miraculous abilities. The laying on the apostles' hands brought the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit to certain people. And when Simon the sorcerer saw that the apostles could do that, man, it sort of it sort of revived in him the old desires that he'd had before mm-hmm. to to be in control and to manipulate the people and to and to have them under his spell. And so it says in Acts 8, beginning verse 18, when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And so he acknowledged his wrong and sought help of the apostles to pray for him that he be forgiven for that evil request that he made. So I think in the case of Simon the sorcerer, we see how how important repentance was and the necessity of that for forgiveness. But you got to say you're wrong and seek to change from that wrong if you're going to repent. All right, absolutely. Uh, so as, as uh, Candid said, it's that change of mind. It's that another mind. It's uh, you have come to your senses. You realize that it's wrong. and you. But not only acknowledging that it's wrong, Making the commitment that you're going to do different, as we see in the example of Simon the Sorcerer. Exactly right. All right. All right. So uh, there's your definition of of repentance. It's not difficult. It's not. It's hard to do. It's not hard to to, to define. Yeah. Now, how do I? How how would I know if I've really repented? In other words, I, it's it's important for me to know about myself. Have I really repented of of the sins that I've committed? It's important for you to know that. It's important for everybody. It's not, but it would also it would also come to play that sometimes you might judge me as to whether I I have honestly repented, or I might have to judge you as to whether you've honestly repented. I can't read your heart. We've said it's a change of heart. I can't read your heart, but I can observe your actions, the change of life that that takes place in you. So we were saying earlier. This guy's an alcoholic. He's a drunk. But he says he's repented. If he's repented, then I, I won't find him drinking anymore, right? 
so the the change the the change of heart I can't see, but the change of life many many times again not always, but many times I would be able to observe the change of life that accompanies the change of heart. Uh, so I, I think that, that that that's what we need to see. So I, I've got a list of some things that we will see, and this is the last part of the the, the question three that I asked. When true repentance has taken place, what will be the uh, some of the evident signs? Well, first of all, uh, I will be willing to receive instruction. I, I, in other words, if 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 I'm in sin, but I'm really trying to get past this and get be forgiven. And if you come to me to help me with that, and you come to me to, to instruct me, to, to point out my sin, uh, to, to tell me uh, what I need to do, I, I won't push back about that. Too often what happens, though, when we get in sin and somebody else tries to, to help us in identifying and realizing our sin, we lash out at the person who's trying to help us. That's none of your business. Get out of my face. I don't need, I don't need your help. Leave me alone. Uh, we probably all, a lot of us have had those very words spoken to us. But if there's true repentance in the heart, then you'll be willing to receive someone who comes to you with rebuke and instruction. Yep. You'll be willing to ex- to accept an exact description of the sin. as it, it won't be one of those, if I've done anything wrong. No, uh, if if I've really repented, I'm willing to accept the, the true label for my sin. I've been a gossip. I've been a liar. Uh, I, I've been uh, divisive. Uh, uh, you know, whatever it is, if I've really repented, I won't try to redefine the sin. And, and, and I won't say, well, yeah, but... If you simply knew all the circumstances, you, 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 you'd understand what I did. I won't offer any excuses. I'll, ex- I'll accept the exact description of the sin. Uh, I won't try to relabel it. I won't try to excuse it. If I've really repented, I, I have a fear of judgment. Uh, that fear of judgment is going to prompt me to make true repentance. Uh, and if I've really repented, then I'm going to pray for forgiveness, and I'm going to—I'm also going to ask others to pray with me and for me for repentance, just like Simon the sorcerer did in the example that we just read. So notice what—notice how, in the case of Simon the sorcerer, when when he had sinned, he accepted the instruction that Peter gave. Peter gave a very graphic and specific. Uh, identification of sin and said you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity Simon Sorcerer didn't quibble with him said man that's that's too harsh man Peter tone it down a little bit what do you I mean you don't have to you don't have to you know uh, you know dig the dig it in so deep he accepted that description he expressed a fear of being punished and he and he wanted them to pray for him that 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 he would not suffer God's judgment. So right there in the case of Simon the sorcerer, you see four things that would be true of anybody who has really repented. Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. What's our time? Well, it's time like? to get a break. Let's grab a break, and we'll finish this up on the other side. Yeah, 826 in the chat room is actually a she. 
uh, has a six-month-old baby. That's why she's tired. And oh, she may I, I understand that completely. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, hey, listen, if the baby's asleep now, don't stay awake. Go get in bed. That's you can right. finish listening yeah. tonight at 3 o'clock. Yeah, you can listen when the baby gets up for a feeding. We're going to get a break and go to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. What does your church have for my children? At the College View Church of Christ, we don't have pizza parties or putt-putt nights. We don't have softball or basketball. We do have the Bible. We do have the powerful sayings of the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We do have the love for your children's souls to never substitute the solid spiritual teaching they need with superficial secular activities. If this is what you want for your children, bring them to Bible class this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A 2018 survey of Americans asked, how often do you attend church? 22% said every week. 10% said almost every week. 11% said about once a month. 25% said seldom. 28% said never. That information is via statistica.com. The Word of God says in Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about the hardest command, maybe repentance. Did you get that statistic that was just there? 53% of Americans say they seldom or never go to church. Over half. But we've got a crowd of people with, with uh, in our audience of the virtual Bible study who not only go to church regularly but also love to discuss Bible things, and we appreciate them. Yeah, for that. it is a blessing, and we're we're benefited for, by you guys being here, and hope that you are as well. And so, thank you for being a part of it. Uh, this is a, this is a blessing to be able to get together in this format. You know, it's it's the virtual kitchen table we can sit around and talk yeah, about the Bible. Exactly, so it's right. a good time. All right, all right. So we were talking about the things repentance really is, and what would be the signs of true repentance true repentance as we said is a change of heart and it involves a sorrow for sin uh in in luke chapter 15 the prodigal son uh you know the story of the prodigal son but in luke 15 verse 17 when he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father's have bread and enough to spare and i perish with hunger i will rise and go to my father and i will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before thee and i'm no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of thy hired servants so i think you see a case of a, 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 another good case of true repentance in the in the prodigal son uh and, and it's interesting when he got home at, and his dad saw him and came rushing out to greet him. You know, he, he didn't say, hey, you know, dad's pretty glad to see me. I, maybe I won't have to follow <laughs> yeah, through with that plan. Yeah, we soften this up a little bit. No, he, he, he went right on and said what he had prepared to say. Uh, and, and, of course, he was, he was warmly welcomed by his father. But I think you see a case of a person who really repented uh, in the case of the prodigal son, in the story of the prodigal son. Um, Isaiah 22, verse 12, beginning. In that day, the Lord God of hosts called you to weeping, to wailing, to shaving the head, to wearing sackcloth. Instead, in other words, that's what you should have done. The prophet Isaiah was was saying to God's people, this is what you should have done. You should have wept and wailed and shaved your head and wore sackcloth. Instead, 
He said there's gaiety and gladness, killing of cattle and slaughtering of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we may die. But the Lord of hosts revealed himself to me. Surely this iniquity shall not be forgiven you until you die, says the Lord God of hosts. In other words, they were not sorry for their sins. And the Lord said, you're not going to be forgiven for that. So there's got to be true sorrow for sin. Uh, and, and, and then... When when you're sorry for your sin, you won't hesitate to confess your sin. Uh, as we said earlier, you won't try to redefine it or use different terms to identify it. Uh, there'll be no hesitance to to honestly confess. I think probably in a lot of people's minds, one of the very best examples of this is King David in Second Samuel 12, when Nathan the prophet came to him and rebuked him over the matter of Bathsheba. Uh, you know, told the parable about the man who had one little ewe lamb and so forth. And, 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 and then he turned that parable on David and said to David, thou art the man. Uh, and he says, thou hast despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and has taken his wife to be thy wife and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David didn't try to get out of that, didn't try to excuse it, didn't try to say, yeah, but, or, or, uh, use a different term. He just, he, he said, I have sinned. No hesitance to truly confess. True repentance. If I've really repented, I will not hesitate to say, yes, I did that. I'm sorry, and I did that. And, 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 yep. Yep. uh, uh, David's sorrow over his sin is, is really illustrated when he wrote in Psalm 51, Verses 2 and 3, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Yeah. David was not hesitant. Okay. Uh, and then let me go ahead and finish my list, and then we're going to get to the, uh, these emails before we get done here. This is a big one. I think that true repentance will will demonstrate the fruits of repentance. Now, that's a little bit funny terminology to us maybe, but but we understand what that means when we read in Luke 3. This is what John the Baptist was teaching people to do in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. John the Baptist would say, would say Luke 3, verse 8, bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance. Now, uh, it, some of them wanted to know what that meant. And it goes on to say, Then came also publicans to be baptized and said to him, Master, what shall we do? He said to them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise uh, demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. You, You see that? So John said, Bring forth fruits of repentance. And they said, Well, what does that mean? And he and and then he went on to explain. For instance, the publicans, the tax collectors, were really bad about collecting more than was right and lying in their own pockets. He said, stop doing that. Uh, The soldiers were bad to falsely accuse people and do violence to people. He said, stop doing that. That's the fruits of of repentance is when you actually manifest the changed life. Show that you've actually repented. Rick, in, in the chat room, references Matthew 21, verses 28 and 29, where he says, Jesus makes it clear that repentance is a change of heart bringing a change in life. And he puts in parentheses fruits of their fruits of repentance. Matthew 21, verses 28 and 29. Yeah, let me read that. 
uh, Jesus said, what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first, said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second, said, likewise. And he answered and said, sir, I, I go, sir. But he went not, whether the twain did the will of his father. But notice the case of the first son. At first he rebelled against his father, said, I will not go to the vineyard and work. Afterward he repented and he went. Yeah. So he had a change of heart change action. Fruits of repentance. Thank yeah. you for that, uh, Rick. Uh, Sean, in his email tonight, said maybe some of the signs of true repentance would be a changed lifestyle. Certainly. Uh, that That's what we're talking about, uh, Sean. Thank you uh, for that comment. Uh, excellent. Uh, repentance will cause a change in lifestyle. Kyle, I ought to be able to tell. If someone's repented, I should be able to look at their life and their, the way they live and say, yep, he's repented. Yeah, which we should expose. We would be more open to exposing our lives to make sure to open our lives to our brothers and sisters in Christ to say this is, you know, what being accessible, being open and honest about our lives, not trying to hide and not trying to deceive, not ducking out and trying to hide things. I just, which I think keeping in check with your brothers and sisters in Christ, especially for a Christian, would keep you yeah. in a repentant state. So right. I just, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Some accountability. Uh, Stephen uh, in Iowa says, I think failure to commit the sin again is a true sign of repentance. But I also believe this goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 11. He mentioned that twice, and I want to read and, that. Well, that's what Kent said as well. When one truly repents, they change not only their thinking. As a result they, of such, they also change the practice of their lives. He rec- references 2 Corinthians 7, verses 10 through 11. Okay, so let me go to that. Now, you, you, a little bit of background on that. In First Corinthians, the first Corinthian letter, chapter five, Paul had rebuked the Corinthians because they had this immoral brother in their midst, and and they hadn't done anything about it. And he instructed them to withdraw from him, yep. and they did. Uh, and he said, uh, uh, so in the second Corinthian letter, he writes, beginning chapter seven, verse eight, though I made you sorry with letter, I do not repent, though I. Though I did repent, for I perceived that the same epistle had made you sorry, though it were for a season. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us and nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world uh, worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing, that you sorrowed after a godly sword. What carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. So they had taken care of, well, really, First Corinthians catalogs a whole bunch of things they were doing wrong, and Paul said that they they had taken care of those matters. The, the matter of the immoral brother in particular, um, he said uh, um, in Second Corinthians chapter two verse six sufficient to such a man as this punishment which was inflicted of many so they they took care of that man so contrarywise he ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps uh, such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow uh, I beseech you that you should confirm your love to, toward him uh, for to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you whether you be obedient in all things and so. Uh, so the first Corinthians dealt with all kinds of problems in the church Corinth, including that immoral brother in second Corinthians, Paul said, you know, y'all really repented. You had godly sorrow and it led you to make a a full change. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So that's that's a really good example of true repentance. All right, and 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 the characteristics that are there in Second Corinthians chapter seven verse eleven <clears throat> that uh, they sorrowed. You got to be sorrowful of your sin. Uh, carefulness at rod in you. You, know, you you've determined that you're going to be more careful in the future, more circumspect perhaps in the way you live your life. Uh, what clearing of yourselves? You want to make this right. I want to get this off of my. I want to get this out of my life. I want to make it right. Uh, what indignation? Part of this repentance, I think, you you got to get mad at it. You got to get. I mean, maybe mad at yourself that you ever you ever. Well, I can't believe I did that. What a what a crazy thing to do. Uh, and what fear? I think fear's got to be in inherent in that repentance. Is that you, you you realize that you're on the wrong side of things with God, and uh, you're looking in the face of uh, what's coming down the road if you don't change. What vehement desire you, you got to? If I'm going to repent, I've got to have this vehement desire. I, I'm I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness now, um, and uh, and then what zeal? Uh, I'm going to be very active and very zealous about living like I should. And then what revenge? I'm 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 getting I'm going to get after this. I'm, I'm it's not it's not hanging around anymore. We're getting exactly. it out of we're getting it out of our lives. Exactly right. All right. Well, Jacob, I think that's a really important study, an important thing for us to really keep in mind, the importance and necessity of repentance. All right. It is important. Now, is it the hardest command? I think it is, but that's subjective. But I think a lot of people think that that is the hardest thing we've got to do. What about it, Kyle? Is it the hardest command? It is a hard one. It's very hard to to grasp and to put into focus. So I just think uh, a good if, when you start repenting, make sure that you, if you come into contact with something that you've repented of, flee. Flee from that. Hate thing. it. So it yeah. Just, yeah it just Anger. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, certainly. All right. Good discussion tonight. Appreciate all our listeners. Some really good comments tonight. Lots of participation. Um, hey, and it made the program better, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Dad, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Kyle, thanks for being here and helping us get it out on the air. Yep, it's good to be here. Thanks to everyone for listening and participating. Again, if you're a podcast listener like Sean, Send us an email. Let us know you're out there. Maybe give us a suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And by all means, make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study his inspired word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.